1: LinkedIn, the place to be, to be.
2: You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life.
3: You're listening to Studio 22. Welcome to Studio 22. We are sitting here with Will Meldman, my co-host, and my good friend, Garrett Warren, second union director, one of the best action directors in all of Hollywood, in the world, one of my great friends. He's a stud, he's a legend, and we're gonna have a good time.
4: Thank you very much, that was an amazing introduction, and I hope I can live up to your expectations.
3: <laughs> it just came out, and so yeah, you, uh, you're on. Thanks. You're on, man.
4: Thank you uh it's great to be here. I can't sure. tell you how I, I can't tell you how uh I've been looking forward to this since I've met you I thought that you know this guy has got something he's got it capital I capital T and in Hollywood, there is very few people that you meet that have it and you know who have it like stunt guys they'll come in and you'll have 50 people come in and audition for a role and you're like yeah, he doesn't have it he doesn't have it that guy he's got it you know it's something between charisma the ability to act upon emotion and then also the ability to be smart have street smarts at the same time you know and then once you do that it translates into whatever you're doing on for a character or a scene or an action piece you know he's got it there's guys out there that are talented that are athletic but they don't have it they're not smart sometimes. They don't have the ability to talk to people. They don't have the ability to create a character. But they can flip like, you know, X yeah. game people, you know, drive a motorcycle up the side of a building. It's great. But as soon as they get off and have to talk to someone, different story.
5: Right. Yeah.
3: Well, first, I appreciate you saying that. Now I got to live up to that. Um, but our, one of our good buddies, Pete, came on. He's a, he works in the fitness industry, and he was saying, you know, People, some people just have physical intelligence. You know, it's a different kind of intelligence than an in, in emotional or intellectual or whatever it is. So some people are, what you're saying, really good at flipping and doing all that stuff. And so finding people that can do all the things is is great. And I, it's ever since I was a kid, you know, I've always had the mindset that I can do anything. And if I don't know how to do it, I can I can figure out how to do it. And I'll, I won't stop. I won't quit. I'll become obsessed if I have to get really good at something t- until I have it. But I'm not there with everything, but I, I, I believe, you know, in working hard. I after. can see that yeah, yeah I can see
4: that you're you're shooting alone you know yeah. the way you work with the weapon but
5: I do Dude, have to find out right he showed me that video I was like Brock <laughs> Brock bro <laughs> like honestly I, I I was like shocked I was legitimately shocked
3: I'd like, only I'd only ever been to Terrence once before that and I only shot twice so that was really my first time ever shooting and it, like I'm, t- I'm saying like two rounds and that was it and it was nothing else it wasn't Transitions. It wasn't reloads. Everything. Was everything I just did was all brand new to
4: me. All right, hold on. So, audience members that are listening to this story, we're talking about going to Taryn Butler's, right? Taron Tactical, and. This man came in, grabbed his you know, Glock, and he fires with it. Then he puts the Glock into his holster. He transitions into a rifle, uh, an AR, you know, and he starts to fire from that as well. So it is a skill. You guys have seen it in John Wick. You've seen it in Heat. You've seen it in all those movies. And this man came in and was able to do that with a live fire weapon. And I know a lot of you might, out there might say, oh, guns, bullets, not a good thing. It's not like that. This man went out there in a very professional setting with a bunch of professional people in this industry and learned how to handle this weapon in a practical way that was safe and was amazingly executed. Now, that in itself, it sounds to me like you've only shot four times from what you just said. Is that true?
3: Well, only at Terrence. I've shot before, but I don't shoot very often. Okay. but.
4: Military-wise, like tactical-wise, because yeah. you were fucking high and tight. Oh, can I yeah. say the F word here? You yeah. yeah mean, okay, man, yeah. you were high and tight, man. Seriously, yeah. your shit was, you were crossing T's and dotting I's the yeah. way that you were moving. Your shoulders are forward. You were leaning in. It looked like you were going to shove your barrel down someone's fucking throat and make them taste the water on your knee. It was great. Yeah. I was all about that shit, man. Yeah. And you came in looking like a fucking stud, making things happen, you know, with those weapons. That in itself is sexy. It's beautiful. It's great.
5: And if you think about it like let's say we're let's say we're making the TV show on our comic book, right? Tons of action in it. You go to a studio. What Brock did some actors or actresses might never achieve after tons of money and time put into it, right? And like that's what I was I was sitting there like bewildered. Just like that looks like john wick right like it looks like something super it's amazing hearing it from you too like the way you define it and go through it
4: that's why i'm wondering because if that's only four times four times at Terran or two
3: no i mean that was my first real time at Terrans. so i've been to Terrans twice
4: man okay so i'm just jealous so fuck you first of all (laughs) second of all um you know when people get a weapon in their hand that does have bullets in it you're scared You're nervous, you know, and he didn't do that. He was able to, but I also have to admit my hat's off to Taryn because Taryn is an amazing instructor. Within, you know, an hour's time, he's got all of my daughter's to handle a weapon mm. that well. So my wow. daughters are all from you know, when they came in at 13 years old, all the way up through 16 years old. Now they're at 18, 19 years old. And I don't condone people using weapons in any other way other than being professional. But at the same token, I do want them to know how to handle a weapon safely so that they yeah. don't get hurt or hurt someone else. Yeah. And I can tell you that you did a great job and Taryn did a great job of teaching you. But more importantly, um, your tactical sense looked like Sicario, looked mm. like, you know, Benicio del Toro and T- Sicario coming in, just looking like a well-trained, mm. you know, professional, you know, operator. Well, it that's, was great.
3: I think from a storyteller's standpoint too, you know, like I love film and TV as much as everyone else at this table. Right. And yeah. when I watch stuff on TV or on, on, on film that they aren't doing things correctly or, or they're mashing the finger way over the trigger or they're not handling the weapons properly. There's not, you know, all the safety protocols aren't being followed. Whatever it is, if that story's not being told right, it takes me out of it. And I don't, like for me, mentally, I'm like, I have to figure this out as fast as possible and as safely as possible so that I can be a better storyteller. That's where my mindset's coming from, you know?
5: Well, he was good.
4: <laughs> Let's just I, cut back to the chase. He was good, guys. Everyone, he was good. I appreciate that. Man.
5: It's a extremely high praise coming from you, too. Honestly, like that's amazing. And yeah. my, I feel like my eyes didn't deceive me. It was very quick and very accurate.
4: Yeah. I, look, look, okay. So, shout out to my buddy. I have a SEAL team, ex SEAL team member, ex team guy. His name is Andy Arabito he's the one that did all of the technical advice on the Avatar sequels that we did. Oh, wow. Um, And, you know, he's the one that made me have a greater appreciation for that tactical movement. And he thinks outside the box. And you remind me of it. And I certainly hope, you know, my boys out there you're right, he's brand new, so don't go ahead and get all up on me about the fact that he might have moved some way a little bit wrong or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Come on, guys, let's go ahead. He, you know, He's brand new. Yeah. But he was really amazingly talented at being brand new. And then, you, I know you trained with the Navy SEAL over in uh, uh, Tennessee. Yeah,
3: Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Ian and uh, and Casey Diedrich. Who's Casey good. Diedrich, who's yeah. an
4: amazing actor. Love him. He's yeah. one of us. You know, he's the yeah. kind of guy that will collect trash just anyone, like anyone else, work out like a mother. He's great. And yeah. then he had a Navy Ian, I'm not sure his last name, but he was spectacular. He taught those both, those guys both how to be spectacular with weapons too. So yeah. shout out to both of those guys as well as Taryn Butler.
3: Yeah, hundred percent, man. And that's, you know, something that, you know, as filmmakers and friends, you want to collect people that are like-minded and, and kind of have the same direction uh, or want to go in the same direction as you. And, and Ian and Casey, you know, uh, Taryn, everybody, it's just like that's why i love doing this you know because we i know we're going to be working on more stuff together we want to create more things we want to tell more stories but having those groups of people that you meet through this process there's nothing better man like i I love a a film and i love a set because every time it's a new adventure it's a new experience it's something that i got to figure out and i'm not doing the same thing every day of my life for 10 years it's I don't know what tomorrow looks like, man. And that's yeah. exciting me because I get to problem solve. I get to figure it out. I get yeah. to show up. And but you meet those people that are just so great like you, man, dude. The second we uh, met, thanks, it, I'm dude. like, this guy is the man. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. I appreciate <laughs> yeah.
4: it. I get so, you know, I guess sitting here on this podcast, I don't know much about it, you know, what is it you guys try to get out of your podcast? What do you want to give to the audience? What does the audience tune in for on your
5: podcasts? It's a great question. We typically go for, you know, We try to keep it motivational, positive, while still talking about obstacles that you had to overcome. Great. Right? Great. That's kind of the... Very basic formula. Would you say that's? Yeah, definitely.
3: It's. Uh, we want to stay, you know, like you saying, positive. But for me too, it's. It's. I love diving into people's mindsets. You know, what makes you you? How did you get to where where you started to where you're at now and where you're going to go? And like, it. What was it take to get there? You know, because right. it's a way There's, better way of saying it. Well, I mean, more or less. <laughs> I don't know, but for me, it's if I'm an audience member and I love film, I love TV. If I'm a fan of yours and I'm a fan of your work, uh, which millions and millions of people are. Um, Dude, we get to dive in for a second into your mind. It's the coolest thing in the world.
4: I love it. So let me do this then for the audience members, because I know that we just spoke about something that a lot of people don't know much about and wish they did. And they think that it's out of their grasp and it's not. And that's the thing that actually kind of irks me a lot about the public. Terran Tactical is in Simi Valley, California. You can go there and take lessons. Anybody can. They all think they can't. They all see his posts on Instagram and they feel like that's out of my league. I can't get there. No, you can and you should, you know, and don't feel like you can't go there. And I guarantee that there's also other places in this country, in this world that you can go and get this training. You just have to take the effort to do it. On top of all of that, I have to admit, it's like some of the reasons why I've gotten better at what I do for gun work is I'd go home with like airsoft guns Mm. that are still practical, real, you know, but they're safe. And I still practice mag reloads. I practice, you know, aiming, I practice holding the weapon, things like that. And so that's the stuff that a lot of you guys at home should also know that you can become better at these things without having to use a real gun, you know, something that has bullets in it. It's still a real gun, but it has the airsoft ability to it, you know, so you can still do that stuff.
5: Right.
3: And I would say regardless of if it's a real gun or not, you know, you treat it like it's a real gun. And Always. At all times. Because what happens if you make a, a bad habit of pointing it in the wrong direction or keeping your finger on the trigger when you're not ready to shoot something, It's you're going to translate that on to when you do have something Muscle memory, yeah. Yeah. all that. And it's the worst thing you could possibly do. So safety above and above everything is the number one thing you need to focus on, I think.
5: It's, it's like a uh, golf swing, honestly. Yeah. If you practice golf wrong, you're going to develop a bad habit that's going to take way longer to a lot less stakes, right? Sounds like everything. Sounds like acting too.
4: No, absolutely. Totally. You're right. I think that also for the people that are listening, I think that, you know, aside from you guys going out and getting these lessons, which I think everyone should, I think that there's um, a need in this world. And I know that there are people in New Zealand that don't have guns and we're not going to be using guns. Look, you don't know where you're going to end up in this world. I remember that there was um, some guys on a train in France, you know, and uh, I think Clint Eastwood did a movie about it, right? And all of a sudden, a terrorist got onto that train, was going to shoot and kill people. And these three guys just teamed up and took this guy down you know. to be able to grab a weapon from someone, mm. know how to handle it well, know where the business end is, mm. know how to stop a magazine, take a magazine out, and things like that, right. I think is a valuable talent. I also think that, and this is what I feel is super important, for my kids, for anyone, for girls, for boys, it doesn't matter. Everyone should be able to pick up their own weight. It doesn't matter who you are. I guarantee like, at one point like in your that's like, right. Uh, yeah. you should hang from a bar and be able to lift yourself up onto that bar and get your body over that bar so you can climb up. Because you never know, you might have a, a piece of uh, a pier like that you're on with your family, and all of a sudden that pier breaks and you fall and you have to hold on for your dear life. You have to be able to get yourself up say you fall at the edge of a cliff and you're in Yosemite looking at some beautiful you know, landscape and you fall and you hold on to something with your, your hands, you have to lift yourself up so you don't die.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: I think that everyone should be able to go out there and lift their own body weight up. So that's one thing. Number two, everyone should be able to hit something with a sledgehammer. Mm. okay, whether it be a sledgehammer or an ax. I prefer an ax for my family because I want them to know what it's like to take an ax and either have to like hit a door and break a door open to help save a family member or whatever. But if it's a sledgehammer, whatever it is, everyone should be able to swing a a sledgehammer or an ax and hit something without hurting themselves. You know, it will teach you how to have force. It'll teach you how to lean into things like that. I think that's one of the most important things that anybody can do. In their lifetime, Yeah,
3: I agree with that. And I think there's also security in that too, like knowing what you're capable of and knowing that you are safer in a situation than, than instead of just being like, something bad's happening to me, there's a fire in the house, how do we get out? Well, the door handle's hot, but that ax is good, you know, and go, go knock your way out, you know what I mean?
4: Yeah. I know that when we have an actress come in or an actor come into a movie set and we want them to look like they're badass, Like they can kill someone, you know, instead of us just teaching them how to take a knife and cut um, with a, a, a rubber blade or a dull blade, we will teach them what it's like to actually cut something whether it be a slab of meat or a styrofoam pad, and we'll give them that knife. And they have to learn what it's like to actually press that blade in and cut and draw that thing across. So that way they learn what it's like to be badass. We'll give them sledgehammers, So they have to learn what it's like to actually slam down with their body weight. That way they can translate that into their acting. Same thing right. was, you know, grab onto a rope, lift yourself up, things like that. Even though we're gonna have wires on them on the day, they should know what it's like to actually try to do that so they can act.
5: I love hearing that stuff, right? It's like the behind the scenes stuff that you don't really think about, there's so much that goes into even smaller stunts, right? Like, I, I forget what it was on, but it was something as simple as, like, you know, jumping up a little, you know, whatever, 10-inch tall curb or something, and they, they had to bring a stunt person in for it because they didn't want to risk, you know, the situation. Yeah. Yeah. So I described that terribly, but like <laughs> no, you're I, right. I realized at that moment how much goes into that to protect the actors, protect everyone around. And yeah.
4: So I mean most people don't know this, but <clears throat> Robert Downey Jr. did an Iron Man movie where he hurt his ankle. He was doing a stunt, came down, landed hard. It was one of the biggest insurance claims in the industry history. Damn. Right because they had to shut down production for a grand amount of time and the insurance company had bonded it. And without being able to film, they were able to collect on their insurance for the time that they were off, which was months, like four or five oh, wow. months, which equates to millions of dollars. It was a huge claim, right? So. Most productions don't want actors to do stunts that could twist their ankle, could hurt their wrist, could prevent filming. That's why what you said is so true. Tom Cruise does these amazing stunts in movies. And I know that all you guys in the audience are back to going, Tom Cruise does his own stunts. You're right. He does. He's amazing. He's one of the most gifted people in the world. He will take the insurance and bond it himself. Yeah. So that he can do it. He will cover anything that goes wrong. That's how oh, dedicated wow. he is. That's right. Because the insurance companies are like, no, we're not going to bond this movie if Tom's going to get hurt. If he's going to hurt his egg, no. So what they'll do is they'll move it to a point where it won't affect filming. And then Tom will use his own money to cover the bond. That way, if something happens, he's liable for it. You know, and my hat's off to him. Yeah. Nobody is better in this industry when it comes to doing action themselves than Tom is. And trust me, Keanu Reeves is amazing too at what he does. But Tom is just a beast when it comes to yeah. driving cars, motorcycles in a practical, like real setting.
3: Helicopters, planes, jumping everything. off yeah. buildings, Yeah, everything.
5: You say hands down, number one.
4: Hands down. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, he's like the Travis Pastrana of the acting world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, aside from him being an Academy Award winning actor, dude. The action he does is Academy Award winning as well. I mean, yeah. you can't deny that. And Keanu Reeves is a great action star. The gun work he does is by far unsurpassed. I mean, Tom does a good job too. Don't get me wrong, Collateral is genius. But at the same token, Tom goes steps further. He jumps across gaps in buildings. You know, I mean, right. Keanu's yeah. not going to do that. He's okay letting the stunt double do it. And he should. We all should. Yeah. Forget that. Yeah. You know, Tom got hurt doing that. <laughs>
3: Yeah, he broke his uh his leg doing that, right? Yeah, Mission. He hit hard. Yeah,
5: how many times he do ran you it think off. he's? Sorry, right? No, yeah. I was gonna ask, like, how many times do you think he's gotten hurt? Like
4: a lot of times. Yeah. I mean, all of us stunt people, we get hurt constantly. I've had over sixty surgeries wow whoa i've been under the knife more than 60 times because of the injuries that i've gotten i mean some of them weren't with stunts of course when i got shot you know uh those surgeries had to happen they weren't stunts but i've had stunts just where broken ribs broken back um you know discs being put out of place that they have to do laminectomies on um knees being replaced now because i got crushed by trucks and things Mm. like that so i do car hits and all that you know
3: yeah That's wild, man. Yeah. Uh, And I'm a big fan of doing my own stunts, too, just because I love being physical. But that's a different level. And I have to say it because you touched on it. You said you got shot. And I just wanted for the audience, like, uh, can you tell us uh, uh, what happened there?
4: I can tell you that story. Um, All right. So, audience, uh, here's my story. And a lot of you might have heard it, especially if you saw a Dateline NBC special that's on me. Um, Back in 2000, uh, a hitman came to my house. Westlake Village, which is a very respectable place. I had a golf course in my backyard, you know, and he came to my house and shot me. You know, he was hired to kill me. Someone paid him $10,000. Um, <clears> it's alleged that it is my ex-wife, you know, she copped a, a deal with the uh, attorney, with the DEA. And I mean, I'm not going to be the one that's going to talk about whether it is or isn't, because that's something that is behind, you know, those people. And trust me, my, I have a, a daughter with her, and she is the greatest mother in the world to that daughter. She really is. And I'm not going to say one way or the other um, what did or didn't happen, but I can tell you what did happen to me properly, and that is a person did come to my house, fired four times at me, hit me once in the chest, dead on. That bullet, when it hit me, I flinched sideways and it went straight across my sternum and got stuck in my rib cage right here by my armpit. And it's still there to this day. I have a bullet lodged right here. This was just a little snub nose revolver that he was shooting me with. Then the next bullet shot me here in the neck. Cause I slid, I, I flinched to the side and went straight through my neck, came out my spine, kissed one of my um, vertebrae and, you know, went out the back of me. Then the next bullet he shot was at my stomach and it hit me in my hip. And that one hurt a lot. You know, that one felt like an ice pick.
5: It, in the stomach.
4: Yeah, well, it missed in my stomach. It, he had not for my stomach, and I s- tried to slip to the side when he fired. And as I did, I lifted my left hip up, and it hit me right in the left hip. So it basically hit my left hip girdle. And, okay. you know, it bit like an ice pick. And it doubled me over. I fell back into a wall, and I slumped to the ground. He kicked the door open. He put the gun to my head, like execution style. And as he went to squeeze the trigger... I flinched sideways again, and the bullet hit me in the right corner of my eye and came out my left earlobe right here. There's a little little tiny uh, dot right here where you can see that's the exit wound from where the bullet came out. So I took four bullets, hit the ground. My mom was there that night because she was watching my daughter. Oh, no. It's okay. And when she came out saying, what's that noise? He fired two more times, missing her. And then he was out, click, 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 and he ran. So that was my gun shooting incident. Um, you know, fortunately for me, i it's not so much reflexes as it is I jumped when I was scared. But all these years of me being a fighter, a boxer, a Muay Thai practitioner, martial artist, always taught me to slip when I flinch, to never ever just flinch and hold on tight. So every time a, you an got angle. it, if someone throws a punch, I slip and roll. You know right. what I mean? I move my body sideways or turn. So it's not like I was so good that I was able to avoid the bullets because the bullets hit me. It wasn't like the Matrix, but I was good enough where when I flinched, the bullets didn't hit something major. Right. You know, fortunately, when the bullet went through my eye and came out my ear, it broke my nose and my orbit, and it just went past behind my nose and came out my ear, and I'm fine.
5: Because if you're not diagonal... It's head on.
4: That's right. It would have yeah. gone through my brain. It would have killed me. Yeah. You know, so that's what happened in my shooting incident. And to this day, I'm still lucky. You know, God was on my side. Yeah. Thank you, God. Yeah. God, um, God my mom was there to try to like make sure that, you know, I didn't bleed out. And, you know, I remember I had gotten hit by a truck doing a movie called Chill Factor back in 96. And, you know, they came back and revived me on the floor of the ground in Moab, Utah. And, you know, I remember being gone, you know, and they brought me back and there's
5: a lot of desert out there in moab yeah
4: and that 18 wheeler you know i was on a motorcycle got hit head on 40 i was doing 45 he was doing 45 and you know i pretty much kissed his right front headlight and got thrown through the air like a nascar event you know what i mean I was a rag doll it was awesome right (laughs) and so when they picked me up you know i didn't feel any pain until they had to move me because you know when you die you don't feel the pain you know when your body has actually so when i got shot i didn't feel anything is I was good. Numb. I was, it- I was. I was. I was fine. Like I hit the ground, and I remember the blood uh, seeping into my throat, and I was <laughs> sucking the blood in because as a fighter you're taught to not blow. Because if you do, you blow, you might get a big old mouth, so like your eyes orbit will blow up or your nose will blow up. Uh, so I would just suck in the blood, um, and then I try to spit it out. And I remember nothing hurting at that time. And I thought he shot my ear off because it was kind of ringing hard for me to hear. Um, when I sat on the ground and my mom came to me and she was trying to stop the bleeding. I was like, all right, do me a favor and watch out for my daughter, you know, raise her Catholic because I love her to death. And, you know, I'll just know that I'll be up there waiting for you guys. I'll be your angels and I'll be, I'll be with you and I'll just keep watch over you. And she's like, no, you're not dying. You know, you're staying on this earth. You're fighting. You're staying here. I go, mom, nothing hurts. I'm good. I'm not in pain. You know, I'll see you up there. It'll be good. And she's like, no, you're my son. You're not leaving. You know, you you don't have, there is no reason why you're going up there. And she's grabbed me and she says, you better fight. Fight for fucking me. Fight. And I went, all right. All right, I'll fight. And as soon as I made that one decision, everything hurt. From the top of my head to the toes, I was like, ah, give me morphine. Give me morphine, please. And then the paramedics came in. They're trying to like, they cut my clothes off. And, you know, it was cold there. It was very cold. I want everyone to know that, because oh, just all you could see was like. So when I saw the, yeah, when I saw the, <laughs> the okay. audience doesn't like, see okay. it. So, so yeah, yeah. cold because you're losing so, blood. Cold, so, so you're cold, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. So audience members, just know this: when I got brought into the DEA's office and they showed me the evidence photos, they showed me on the ground, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" It's like I know it's horrific. You shouldn't look at it. Out. I go, "Look at my penis. It's so small." I'm like, like, "You realize that it was cold? Can you tell the uh, the the the?" the, the you know the the uh, audience. You know anybody who is yeah. it? The um, who's the people that are there? The, that are the witnesses? Who's the, uh, when you go to court? Oh my gosh, jury.
5: the jury, the jury. Yeah, can yeah. you
4: tell the jury that it was, the jury that it was cold that night and that you know I was lost a lot of blood? Whatever. I was like, could you put a black bar over it or something? And she's right, like, right. sure, Redact I can do that. I go, could you actually make it a really big one though? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she was dying laughing. She's like, I thought you were going to be worried about this. I am, yeah, look at my penis. It's so small. Dude. It's like the little tiny German helmet. That's all uh-huh. it is. You know, that's so just,
3: that's what happens when you get shot. It's allergic reaction to the brass, I think. Dude, that's. that's I right. think I read
4: that. Yeah. So, yeah. so it was. So oh. when they came in, they were trying to save me. I was in pain, and they're like that putting is, IVs in me, and I didn't know how bad yeah. it looked down there. But then at the DEA's office, I did. Bro, that yeah. is
3: the most relatable thing you've ever said. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. It's There's some things worse than being shot. Apparently,
4: you oh. know. <laughs> oh man. That's crazy, dude.
5: So all the feeling came back when you were fighting. When I decided to stick right, around and that's not, so di- interesting, yeah. Interesting, like, yeah.
4: Yeah, when I decided to stick around and not die, everything hurt.
5: And that was a long recovery
3: process with that too. Like three in, weeks. Three weeks.
4: And I was back to work. Damn. I had to pay the rent. <laughs> I got to take care um, of my daughter. You know. Three that's weeks. True, man. Yeah.
5: How many surgeries?
4: I was in the hospital and they tried to save my eye. So my eye was split open like an egg. So they tried to save it twice. Um, The first one was just the regular surgery they saved me with that night. So three surgeries basically. Mm -hmm. And the eye surgery was just horrible. I would wake up right from the surgery and immediately wanna cry Mm -hmm. and I don't cry. And so the fact that I was ready to cry just meant it was just so painful. I was trying to push that morphine button more than you can imagine.
5: Damn, dude. Yeah, the nurse call button. For morphine. The, oh, morphine. Yeah. They
4: give you a button so you can hit that morphine thing, but once you push it, you're done. Oh. You know, and it doesn't reset for another like twelve minutes, fifteen minutes, whatever it is, and you're like, no, I need more. It's not hitting me yet, you know? And you're right. like in pain. And when they do the eye I surgery, you're supposed to stay awake. Oh. Listen to that, guys. Listen. Hey, audience, oh. check it out. When you do eye surgery like that, you have to be wide awake, and you have to see that knife come in at your freaking eye. You.
5: Two, two references for that. One is a game called Dead Space. Yes. The finale yes. of Dead Space. <laughs> exactly it. And, and then the other one is um, uh, the uh, Stanley Kubrick. You know, at the end, he's making him watch. Oh, uh,
4: uh, uh, or- no, um, Clock o- o- Orange. Clock yeah. Orange.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah.
3: Damn, yeah. I haven't seen that in a long time.
5: Dude. Wow.
3: Yeah, well, uh, if anybody was wondering out there if this man is a tough SOB,
4: he is. Listen, I believe everyone's just as tough as me. When you are forced to be tough, you will be tough. You know, mothers will. Anyone. I I think that when you give in to uh, the pain and the suffering, then you won't be tough. Don't give in. Always fight back. That's what I believe. I also think that, you know, so for me, I was a stuntman. Didn't want to be a stuntman. I was a fighter at first. You know, I was doing Muay Thai and Taekwondo and all that kind of stuff. And I was going to college to be a physical therapist. Oh, wow. And then when I got into stunts, um, you know, I was basically teaching people and training people in the gym and stuff like that. And some producer said, hey, you look just like this actor. Come to Hawaii and double him for two years. And I was like, shit, I like Hawaii. Done. There you you go. got it. Yeah. And I made more money doing that than getting my head beaten in, in a Muay Thai ring any day. You know, so I was like, I'm in. Now, being a stuntman that, was you know, for the next five or six years, doing Charlie's Angels, Starship Troopers, all those things, I right? I love
5: Starship Troopers. Thank
4: you. Thank you. Yeah, all right. I love nice, it, too. Right, it's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Casper Van Dien's genius in it. And anyways, being in those movies, you get taught to just cowboy up.
0: My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man.
1: Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
6: AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. That's oracle.com slash strategic, oracle.com slash strategic.
4: Mm. You know what I mean? It's like you go, you get hit by a car. Boom! Right, you get up off that ground, and you brush it off, and you do not cry, and you do not whine, and you do not complain. You know, you can do it to the coordinator when you go into the closed door. Right, you, know, right. you can be like, you can, you can be like, you know, Garrett, you okay? I'm good, guys, I'm good. You go back behind that closed door, you close it, and the coordinator's there. You go, I'm not good, man, I'm not good. That hurt like so bad. Oh my gosh, I just got hit by this the, car. Is the bone sticking out. The bone sticking out. Check it, check it. I can't feel it. Oh right, my and God. so you can do whatever. You, but when you are in front of everyone, you've got as a stunt person, you got to cowboy up. Yeah. You know what I mean? You got to nut up. Yeah. So then when I got to this movie Chill factor, where I got hit with a truck, I remember waking up on the ground, looking up at the sky. And I remember saying, you know, shit, is the bike bad? You know, everyone's like, dude, the fucking bike got run over, just driven (laughs) over, right? And I was like, oh man, like your knee is bad. And I was like, what, my knee? And I went to sit up and they're like, don't sit up. Don't look, right? And I looked down and it looked like spaghetti. I was like, ah. I go, can you tape it and get me the other bike so I can finish the scene? Then I'll go to the hospital. They went, we're picking up pieces of you and putting it into an ice chest. We're getting a helicopter. We're airlifting you to Colorado to like fix you. And I was like, oh man, I'm so sorry, dude. I'm so sorry. So as a stunt guy, you're taught to be that kind of mentality.
5: Did we get the take?
4: That's it. And so for me, you know, I have to try to be better than that every time I go out there and I have to try to be as tough as I possibly can every time I go out there. But trust me, guys, I'm not that tough. I'm just like anyone else. I'm just like, you know, man, I, it scares the on that one,
7: but. <laughs> trust me, you're, I,
4: I you're, all, you're all as tough as me. I swear you're all as tough as me. You really are. The only difference is, is that I'm able to just swallow it, shove it deep down into the deepest, darkest recesses of my gut and then let that fear hit me later on. You know what I mean? Right. And you all can do it, but I'm just as scared as all of you, you know? I just don't mind dying. That's the one thing for me. I'm okay with death. So that's the one thing that allows me to be a little bit better than most people. Like, if I was to die when I was younger, I was cool. I did some great shit. Hung right. out of an airplane, hit by a car, you know? Yeah. Went to France, you know? Hung no. out with, you know, Mickey Rourke, Jean-Claude Van, I was fucking, I'm on top of the world. Yeah. I can die,
5: you know? That makes you invincible. Yeah. Is it that human inst- – I didn't mean to cut you off.
3: No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I am I'm agree with you on that element. It's like, dude, for me, it's – you know, when it's my time, it's my time. And I'm not going to live my life afraid of it being my time right now. You know, if it is, it is, and it is. And I'm grateful for everything that's happened, good and bad, from the start, man. I've had a lot of bad shit, and I've had a lot of good shit. So, you know, I'm grateful to be sitting here. I'm grateful to be alive.
4: Have you guys like really like gone into his deep backstory? I don't know. I'm, I haven't asked you anything. Like, like, have you told everything already online? To, no. Like who you are and why you're here? No. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got to find out. Cause I mean, you guys are finding some deep, dark shit about me.
3: Yeah, man. No, I mean, I'll definitely go into some deep stuff.
4: I mean, you uh, know, so yeah. me being who I am, the reason why I'm very successful at what I do mm. is because I have no problem making a fool out of myself. I have no problem dying. I have no problem, you know, completely falling flat on my face and being a goofball. I hang it all on the line. And that kind of commitment makes a lot of people respond to that. You know, once you see someone that is ready to commit that hard, that big, you know, you can work with those people, the people that stay reserved. Those are the people that you're going to always look over. So any of you guys in the audience, if you want to become as successful, if not more successful than me, not just learn the talent, but learn to be able to commit yourself to what you're going to do and learn that it's okay to make a fool of yourself yeah. and be okay with being a fool. You yeah. know, I go out there and I can be like, oh, we're going to do this. And I'm going to grab a guy and I'm gonna show his face on there. Like, yeah, yeah, we don't want to do that. <laughs> that's fine. We don't have to do that. Like I said, we're not going to do that. Uh, let's go. You know, and I, it, yeah. y- if you can just blow it off. And I've had like James Cameron tell me that's exactly what I don't want. And I'm like, I know. Can't believe I just did that. I'm so sorry. You know, the next yeah. one is going to be even much better. Don't worry about it. I have no qualms with right. coming in and falling on my face.
3: Yeah.
4: That is power. For all you audience members, let me tell you something right now. You want to be powerful? That is power. And then there's another thing that I do that is a little trick that I have that makes me super powerful. I pretend to be someone else. Hmm. So coming up in the stunt business, there was a guy that brought me forward. His name was Vic Armstrong. He was a hero to me. He's like the dopest stunt guy that ever lived. Like... I'm nothing compared to him. He was, you know, doubling Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, all that kind of oh, stuff. Awesome, dude! Bonds, you all the Bond movies—it's stuff that he's the shit, right? So when I first had to do a movie as a coordinator and I had to talk to producers, I pretended to be him. Mm. That way, if I didn't get the job, I didn't fail. Mm. Vic Armstrong failed, right? And it was yeah. just that easy. And then yeah. from then on. I took on that persona and I realized I'm going to try to emulate him. I want to try to be like him. You know how Jamie Foxx was able to like imitate so many people and just be great at it?
5: He's great at imitation. That's what I would do.
4: I would come in and sit like him. I would look like him. I would turn people and I'd listen to them and I'd do the exact same thing he would do. And I'd answer them the way that he would answer. And I would take the pressure off my shoulders. It was no longer Garrett doing it. And it was no longer Garrett falling flat on his face. It was this. Now, I'm not saying go out there and be afraid to be who you are. I really am not. But if you're being nervous going into a meeting with like Steven Spielberg, yeah, or James Cameron,
5: yeah,
4: or Paul Thomas Anderson like I have, then it helps to have this little, little extra know, swag. Yeah. Yeah,
3: um, yeah. On that point too, like that was why I fell in love with acting is cuz I when I was younger, I was afraid to live in my truth. You know, I was afraid to be myself. So when I was a character, if, if I was pissed and I wanted to throw some at the wall and, and a glass explodes on the wall, it's not me. It's the character. You can't get mad at me, get mad at the character, you know? And so I got to let out so many different forms of emotion that I was holding in until it got me the freedom that, that I experienced through that to live in my truth. Now, now I'm just me Dude. and this is what you're getting out of it. But I, it took, it was healing through that whole process, man. And then I, and it brought me to opportunities that I would have never had before, you know, for that exact reason.
4: Speaking to what he said, yeah, now when I go into meetings, I do play myself. It's just me. You know, I don't actually resort to being Vic anymore. But I do owe an awful lot of who I've become to him. You know, he did help forge the person that I am. And my hat's off to him. And so did my mom. You know, my mom was one of the strongest people. My hat's off to her. She helped forge the person that I am as well. But those are the two people I looked up to when I was trying to become a businessman in this world. Yeah. And as a stuntman, you're not a businessman. Usually as a stuntman, you're just a daredevil. You're just a performer. To become great in the movie industry, you need to be able to sell water to a fish. Yep. You need to be able to look at someone and convey to them the greatest idea you possibly can have and make them feel that and enjoy that and want to go into that world with you. And those are the people, the Vic Armstrongs, you know, that taught me to be those storytellers and the Spielbergs and the James Camerons. They are the ones that are the greatest storytellers. Yeah. And I, I steal from them. I think
5: having a mentor to emulate is a great strategy, right? And I yeah. think super helpful regardless of the industry, right? You just want to like find someone like you said, who you can embody and, 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 um, if it takes away some of the, the nerves or whatever and helps, I think that's amazing. I've definitely, have you ever done that? And like going into a meeting, can you remember like a specific time where you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to try something.
3: Yeah. I mean, I've done stuff like that all the time, but it is like you're saying, the mentors are so useful in the sense that they'll teach you things or ideologies or ideas or, you know, like I have so many different quotes that I've stored in my brain that have made up the ethos of me, you know, right. like, bring your, uh, true, bring your own, uh, be authentic to your, to thine own self is one of my favorites, you know, uh, be true to thine own self. Right. So it's things like that where you start to stack them all up. And one of the quotes I used to put on my, my I've said it a few times, but I have so many different quotes that I'll pull from, like uh, a quitter never wins and a winner never quits. Like mm-hmm. these little things that I instilled in my mind to make me better and to show up. And the things that I've learned from other people, like live in your truth, is one of the best pieces of advice I could have ever gotten. And it was from people that inspired me, that I looked up to, that you know taught me things that maybe I couldn't. So then it became me. And I was like, now it's my turn to pass that on to other people just by living, but then also when I get the opportunity to have great conversation, you share those moments, those memories, those, you know, things that impacted you. When you hear the things at the right time, you know, you can hear the same thing 20 different times, but when you hear it at the right moment, it hits.
4: It know? does. It does hit. You're right. Yeah. And you said something that was great for any audience member that are actors. The most important thing is actually find your truth. Look, no one needs to be, you know, Brad Pitt and Inglourious Bastards and have, you know, an Alabama accent and, you know, growl or whatever it is. But as long as you bring a truth to whatever you're doing, yeah. you commit and bring a truth, you'll be great at acting, you know? And that to the the sense of this world that we live in, if you can bring truth, truth. to everything you do with your family and friends and the people that you work around, if you can bring that truth to them, those people will respect you and they will honor you. You might not do what they like. You might not do something that is what they want to do, but they will still respect you and honor you for it.
3: Yeah. And that's everything I feel like you're saying is you're bringing authenticity. You're bringing your true self and then you're not afraid to fail. Yeah. Failure to me, and this is another quote I love, failure is only the opportunity to more intelligently begin again.
4: You're such a hallmark card. Look uh, at yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, uh, but, a... but that's wait, how I
4: process stuff, bro. All right. <laughs> so wait, wait, audience members. Let's let's do something more fun here. <laughs> All right. Hold on, hold on. Let, let's get the podcast into this, okay? Because bullshit. I don't want to hear that stuff. I don't want to hear stuff that you read off of a freaking yeah, yeah. gum wrapper. Okay. I want to know what you come up with. I want a quote that's simply just you. Make up your own quote. One is, there's got to be one that you made up yourself.
5: Love and do what you well, will. Well, take a, take a moment That's and think a about this. What, okay. what is it? Love and do what you will.
4: Love and do what you will.
5: That's your quote? I love that. No, it's St. Augustine 395. Oh, okay. I, want I want one that you now.
4: did. I want something from you, from your heart. Something that specifically that you, you made up that no one else did.
5: Authenticity is the currency of the future.
4: I like that. Is that you? I have like, I think. That's deep. I like authenticity is the currency of the future. That's deep, dude. I'm so jealous. That's awesome. I can't
5: attribute it to anyone. So you need to write
4: books.
5: (laughs) Hell yeah. Fuck yeah, that's great. Scripts. Yeah, I write comic books. No, I know. I like that.
4: Also, like 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 motivational books is what I'm saying. Because that's a deep, dope statement. I like that. Anything yet?
5: And screenplay. Actually, I'm finding it.
4: Okay, I have one and okay. my kids will die laughing. If you ask any of my daughters, they'd say the same thing. Yeah. Anyone that's been with me in my life, you know, they'll say the same thing. There's one quote I always go back to. You know, I was born a machine, I'll die a machine. That's what I tell mm-hmm. everyone. I'm just a cog in a freaking machine, and I keep on turning. And, you know, I might not like where I'm going or what I'm doing, but I'll just keep on putting one foot in front. That's it, yeah. you know, no matter what. I wasn't pretty when I was born. I wasn't put on this <laughs> earth. To be, you know, the good-looking guy that gets the girl at the prom. I was never that guy. I was the guy that lifts those people up on my shoulders and carries them up the hill and gets them to where they need to go. That's who I am. I'm the working class. I'm the guy that hangs the, drank, mm. the, hangs the dry, drywall. I'm the guy that busts the door down when the earthquake hits and the little old lady is back there. Yeah. I'm the guy that, you know, that when everyone else is done and they go home, I'm still in there trying to find the cat that someone couldn't find. You know, I was born a machine. I will die a machine. That's what all my kids, my kids, if they listen to this, they'll be like, dad, shut up. Would you please stop? And that's just <laughs> yeah, what, that's my, that's my motto that I've always lived by. You know, yeah. so when I want to, cry and quit i always say Nah, garrett you were born a machine you'll die a machine you know
5: my football coach i played like running back and slot receiver he uh, he would always say stay low and keep those legs moving i
4: like that i like that that's but that's a good quote too you know listen i remember a long time ago um i had a buddy that was a fighter and his quote was just always you know spit that mouthpiece out you know, just like, it's time for you to fucking spit that mouthpiece out and fight for real. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah. And then there was yeah. this one guy, we were in Thailand. And this little, uh, this little Asian guy I looked at this other guy who was pissing him off. This big, tall, white cowboy guy. He's, he's, like, he's making like racist comments to him. And the little, little Asian guy goes, don't make me take my shoes off. You know and I was like it's the fucking greatest thing I ever heard in my life yeah, you know right, and yeah. seriously he's like you know you don't make me take my shoes off cuz if he takes his shoes off from what everyone tells me he's going to kick his ass cuz he's got these badass feet and he's just going to like slap him on the side of his face yeah. with his feet
5: Is it, in Thailand there highly skilled at like uh, kickboxing, right? There's like a, some
4: are, some aren't, but yeah, Muay Thai the Thai th- culture created Muay Thai. Yes. And that, they, are what, yeah, yeah. they are amazing. They're dope. You know, Tony jaw, this actor is just crush you. He's awesome. Um, there's like, a guy named Buakau. Ah, oh, uh, if you're listening to Buakau, just know that you're my Muhammad Ali. Buakau will crush mm-hmm. people. Uh, he'll kick trees and break them in half. You know, he's awesome.
3: Oh, that's a great name. I'm convinced that Muay Thai fighters are the toughest dudes on the face of the planet, dude. They, hey, listen, they,
4: you know when it yeah. comes to self-defense, like like aside from wrestling, you know muay thai, yeah. that's it. You know, throw some elbows, throw some knees. You know, leg kick. Forget this jump spinning shit. It ain't gonna help you. <laughs> you know, a leg kick will will put a person down, or an elbow yeah. to oh, the side yeah. of the skull. You know, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. Wrestlers too. Wrestler. I mean, I was messing around with my buddy one time who wrestled at Iowa, and. We were, you know, it was friendly, but I'm like, okay, take me down. And (laughs) before I knew it, dude, I was like,
4: worst thing you could have said, man.
5: I I like couldn't even blink and I was on the floor. I was like, okay. I wanted to be there. I (laughs) wanted to laugh. I'm like, you did it. That worked. But yeah, wrestlers can get you down quick.
4: Listen, if you look at the UFC, And I guarantee Joe Rogan's gonna side with me. You know, some of the greatest fighters, if not the greatest fighters, are all great wrestlers. You know, wrestlers are the guys that will just, you know, crush people. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's definitely not, I don't wanna say it's underrated, but it is one of those skill sets that if you come in, you know you're doing wrestling, you're throwing people around. Yeah. Yeah, you control. Yeah. Man, I don't have a super sick freaking quote right now. I love it. I love it. It's driving me nuts, dude. But, it, you know, it's funny because the one thing I've always said, I grew up with pretty heavy depression and, uh, you know, I've been in some very, very dark places. And and one of the things that is consistent through my life since I was a little kid is I would always tell everyone to be positive. I would always tell myself like to that. be positive. I like that. And it was through the hardest times, that's what I did. And no matter what happened, I would just dig out and try to find a way to be positive and find a good in every situation, you know because there's a lesson in everything. That's why I said earlier, You know, I'm grateful for all the good and the bad. I've had plenty of bad, but I've learned from all of it. I've grown from all of it. It's made me who I am and how I show up in the world today. So that's why I'm I'm all right with anything that happens.
4: Let me tell you, depression is a very deep and hard thing that this world is going through and has gone through. My hat's off to you. Seriously, the fact that you've come out the other side and you're still doing well, you know? And anybody that is suffering depression, please don't be afraid to go out and reach out for help. Talk to friends, talk to professionals. I think that's important. Um, I don't think that it's something that is easily approached. It's not like you can just get over it. You know what I mean? It's something that you have to work to. And I hope that everyone does work to it. Um, You know, I try from time to time when I have people that are in those kinds of places and I try to say, you know, you have to just think in a positive way. Mm. And that's just the worst thing you could possibly say sometimes. But I don't know any other way to say it. You know, when I go out and I have a bad day, I go, all right, retrain yourself, man. Put a smile on your face. Remember something. This is going to be good. Everything's going to be good. I don't know what's going to be good. Trust me, I have no fucking clue. (laughs) But I'm just trying to say to myself, don't worry. Go get yourself a cheeseburger over at, you know, McDonald's because sometimes those cheeseburgers taste so damn good, man. Or go get yourself something that's like tasty, you know. Go to like KFC and get that you know, chicken pot pie, KFC, if you want to sponsor us, get that chicken pot pie, because that tastes damn good, you know? So I just try to like talk myself into being happy. And I don't know how to get that across to people. But if you just did it with your stay positive, positive, yeah, and people got it, God bless you, man, because that's amazing. It, it's not easy to do. And how did you come out the other side? Was that it? Just you told yourself be positive?
3: Man, well, it wasn't just that, you know, it was, there was this intuition I had with my body where you know, one of the things why I became such a big guy physically, you know, muscular-wise, anyways, I was rail skinny growing up, and I got the shit beat out of me my whole life, like yeah. like bad from a from my dad was 350 pounds on on steroids, huge, you know, at five eleven, so he's a big boy. Yeah. And he would close fists, beat the shit out of me, like everything you could think of. Yeah, um, mine too, yeah. Yeah, and it made, it made me tough, you know, like don't get me wrong, but it also made me want to be so big that I could never. he would never do that to me or anybody I love ever again, right? Yeah, so, yeah. And through that, being depressed, through plenty of other reasons to be depressed uh, as a young kid, I found out that pushing myself to my full limit uh, to the max amount. And I could always tell myself I can do more. I can do more. I can do more, no matter how much weight was on the bench, no matter how much I was trying to deadlift or squat or whatever it was. And I was putting up these crazy numbers, all natural. And like, I just put in so much time. But what I found was the only time that I was happy in the day was after I just killed myself for three hours in the gym. I right. killed myself. So getting physical, it forced my me to have endorphins releasing and, and, yeah. You know, right. and that feeling of, and, and and that's the thing too, like, and I grew up broke as shit. I didn't have, you know, anybody, I didn't know anybody, I didn't have any opportunities, just thrown my way, you know. And, and what I found though is at least if I did one good thing to move me forward, which was to me working out and working on myself, like at least if I did one thing, I did one thing in the direction of my dream, which was always since I was, as long as I can remember to be an actor, you know. Um, so there was, there's being physical and it's
4: being grateful. When I learned to yeah. be grateful for everything. Yeah. Gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? For you guys listening, earlier he said, I want to know how you got where you are, Garrett. So you guys know. I've told you a couple of things that helped me get where I am, you know, the reason why I am. But at the same token, I was taught to, A, forgive. My mom taught me to forgive. You know, I got shot, let it go. Forgive her, forgive the guy, forgive everyone. You got to forgive. Number two, you got to be grateful for what you do have you know because there's a lot of people out there that look at social media and your friends got a Porsche or they're going on a trip to Tahiti and you aren't mm. and you're still trying to work and it's like shit and, and trust me I think social media that's the hard part is you sit there saying you know how come they got it and I don't don't do that you know yeah. social Be- media yeah, yeah. Be grateful for what you got because screw the trip. You know, I guarantee that person's going on that trip and they're miserable because the yeah. person they're with is just a pain in the ass or whatever it is. It's, right? It's like, don't think about that person. And don't look at the Kardashians and say, oh, these guys are rich and I wish I was rich. Fuck that. You know what? If you enjoy getting up, meeting your best friend at the diner before you go to work and you guys get that grilled cheese sandwich and that grilled cheese sandwich is damn good. Those little things are better than that Porsche, you know? And I don't know how to bring that forward to people, but trust me, being grateful, going back to what you said, that's what it is. If you're grateful for that grilled cheese sandwich that Flo just made you, and Flo always has a smile on her face every time you go. We went to a restaurant the other night. Shout out to Catch Steak LA. I'm going to tell you right now, this is it. The reason why I am here in this world is because I notice people that treat you with respect. And Catch Steak LA treat you with respect. You go to that front door, those guys at the front door don't look at you like, and I came in with like jeans and a t-shirt. I looked like someone's, you know, uh, uh, landscaper. And they looked at me and they're like, how are you, sir? And, you know, told them I was here for dinner. Come right on in. They treated me with such respect and such honor. The people, the hostesses behind the thing smiled at me, took good care of me, took me to the bar. The people behind the bar, super nice. I mean, don't get me wrong, It's expensive. Yeah. You know, let's let's be honest here, okay? Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to tell you right now it's worth every penny because these people are the nicest people. These people are the kind of people that will lift you up and if you don't have the money, I'm sure that they would probably help you if they didn't. But man, they treated everyone that night yeah. equally. And dude, I love that. And to see people like that, I'm grateful for those people. I'm yeah. going back to what you said. Yeah. And if you can do that in your life, if you can see that teller that when you went up, they helped you, or you can see that person at that drive-through window, and they helped you. I don't care where you are in this world. I don't yeah. care who you are in this world. If you can see that person that did go out of their way to be kind to you and help you and treat you with respect, then I certainly hope you think, "Man, I'm so grateful for that." Yeah, and that will help you.
3: Yeah, and on on that point too, like that's another reason I have I am the way I am is. I know what it feels like to be at my lowest. And that one little straw would have broke my back at that time, somebody yeah. saying the wrong thing at the wrong time or whatever it is. And I just never wanted to do that to anyone else. I never wished that on anyone else. And so if I had the opportunity to be kind and I will always take it, even if I'm not feeling good, um, I try to at least be nice and at the very least try not to hurt anybody, right? But yeah. if I can leave them better than how I found them, I try to do that. Yeah. Um, and I had, I had a friend say this to me one time. He said, I look at every opportunity as, as every, every step I take as an opportunity to do good. And when I started to think about that more, you know, I was like 16, 17 years old at the time. I'm I'm thinking about everyone else. Everyone has a a story. Everyone's going through things that we can't see or we don't know, or maybe we do. Um, But everyone has something going on that we don't know about. And if it's something that's hurting them or they're carrying or they're putting a smile on when they're carrying, you know, this gorilla of depression on their back or they have massive anxiety about someone or they're losing someone or whatever it is, don't you think that, you not knowing that it'd be a lot better to not be an a-hole you know? yeah yeah to open the door right? to smile at people and you amen know, you know and that's I try to get that across <laughs> with everyone as much as I can but that's how I it's it's crazy the little things of just holding the door open for you know uh, a woman at the gym or, or a man or anybody really but the way that they some people appreciate it some people just walk by like that you they expect you to do it right but other people will take a moment and say ah I love those there's people. still yeah. gentlemen in this this
4: world you know and I'm like live for those people man yeah. and keep being those people out there that do that don't give up on it even though yeah. those there are those dickheads out there that you know <laughs> don't acknowledge you yeah. I, I tell you what you know who else does it too Starbucks. Yeah, My hat's off to Starbucks. Every one of those baristas really do try to like treat you kindly and smile. And, you know, you go in there and you ask for a, (laughs) you know, double espresso shot with, you know, triple latte, vanilla, whatever, with cold foam. And don't put too much cold foam and just, just, you know, three squirts of vanilla. And the person back there is like, you got it. All day long they hear that, you know. And those guys are like, you got it. I wanted my daughter to go work there. I was like, please go wow. work there. Because if people you, get
5: angry if they don't get there. Like people need coffee, right? Caffeine is like essentially a drug. So if you're going in there needing caffeine, you, you know, you're not at your best. You're state, a miserable person. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: you're right. You're 100%. I wanted my kids to, all my kids should work there. I think everybody should work there in this world yeah. because you get treated. Those people are taught to treat their customers so well. Yeah, dude. Yeah. There, they're, honestly, them and Catch Steak LA, my go-to places in this world right now.
5: Big shout out to I'm Mark
4: out there. Yeah, I hope you guys get sponsored up the kazoo by those guys because honestly, <laughs> I, I can't tell you how how much of a fan I am of those guys. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah, we had a uh, Mark Bernbaum on the the pod uh, who owns Catch and oh so really found it. Yeah, yeah. He's well, tell great tell
4: him that I'm a big fan of his. Whatever he's yeah. doing over there, he's got it right, and I wish that. I could at least shake his hand and say congrats, man,
3: you know? Yeah, they're cool, yeah, man. Yeah. Every time I go there, uh, everyone's saying hi. The the you know general, the manager will come over and, and say, it's good to see you again. Thanks for coming back. And, dude, now you love it. It's like yeah. those are places that they're you make great. staples, you know? Like, yeah, you know, absolutely.
1: That. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
2: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global.
3: Yeah, like uh, like Craig's. Craig's is one of those places for me too, man.
4: Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 100%. I have to admit, I have resting Garrett face. Seriously, <laughs> I, like I really like. A lot of people have always told me you're so mean, and I have a stigma. Like Darren over there, I guarantee you must have heard stories about me from other stunt oh, people. Yeah. <laughs> see, he's laughing. The guy with. Have you heard like like stories about me being a dick? Yeah, you see, you have. See, it's okay. You can say yes. You know, they, the audience can't see it. But some people definitely say I'm a dick and, and don't get me wrong, guys. I'm not like perfect. I'm definitely a dick, you know, but I also know when I'm being a dick and I try to like step back going, Garrett, don't be a dick, you know, but I'm also very emphatic. And maybe the reason why I am where I am today is because I really am like my girl Madison. She's like, you know, stop being so dramatic, you know, and I'm like, I work in the movie industry. It's all drama. I was born dramatic. All I do is, the reason why I'm successful is because I'm dramatic. You know? I'm a storyteller. I'm emphatic. You know I'm just? That's who I am, you know? And so sometimes that gets taken the wrong way. And every time I try to step back, I see people like you or I see people like them. It reminds me to step back and not be a dick, Garrett. And I try not to be. And so I don't know how everyone... Like, like can take what I'm saying to help them out there. And I certainly hope I can inspire someone, but just know that I try my hardest to be motivated and charismatic about what I do. And sometimes when that gets put across as being, you know, a really dick kind of attitude and ability, I also will listen to the people that say that to me. I'll hear them. I'll hear this person over here going, yeah, Garrett, you're being a dick. And I'm like, all right, you're right. I am. I'm sorry. But you still suck. You're still doing a bad job. You know, it's the only way I know how to do something. The only way, like, I'm horrible that way. If you fall down wrong. Oh, yeah. I've I'll seen tell it. you. Well, I I've would assume
5: it. if like, I feel like you're, you know, could be very like goal oriented, yes. right? So like, if you are trying to accomplish something in a team setting, then, you know, you want to accomplish the goal. Right? Absolutely. I, I, is that kind of it's That's a me. constructive
4: yeah. criticism? Right? It, it, it is,
5: but yeah. I'm, I don't,
4: I, <laughs> I'm not delicate. I don't have velvet gloves. So if you fall down bad, I'm going to go, dude, don't ever do that again. That was the worst thing ever. That was yeah. the worst fucking fall in the world. Don't do that. But then when you do fall, right? I'm like, yeah! Yeah, yeah. I come in throwing confetti. I'm like, greatest fall I've ever seen. You are the man. Yeah, Love yeah. you.
3: To be you know? fair, though, that is a, actually, I would say, an admirable trait to have in the profession you do because what happens when you're on set and you've got 200, 300 people on set they are all on paycheck, time is money, and you're burning time if you don't get it right the first time. So if you don't put a little fire in somebody's oh, yeah. ass to get it right and you're tiptoeing around, well, two hours later and they still haven't got the fall – that hurts everybody, really. Yeah,
4: I've done a good job though of learning from like Jim Cameron and stuff like that how to not be um, a dick that people don't like. I can be a dick that you like. <laughs> I,
3: that's a great sentence. <laughs> so, so <I'm>, like, <laughs> how, that's your quote for life. Buddy. Wh-
5: what are some like? What are some of your favorite uh, moments working with James Cameron?
4: Oh, dude, are you kidding me? I have too many. Um, all right. I'm going to teach you guys something for the filmmakers out there, something that uh, will help you all remember what you're doing out there. I was on this set piece on the first Avatar and we were sitting up there. He was just right next to me. And I looked at him and I was like, dude, do you ever get tired of always being over budget and over time? Because Titanic, you were like a year and a half and you were like millions over. I mean, now we're on Avatar one. We were supposed to be done in nine months. It was like year five. And I was like, you ever get tired of being like over budget and over time? And he goes, Garrett, let me tell you something. No one ever saw a movie and said that movie sucked, but at least it was on budget on time. <laughs> and I went, Oh fuck me, that's great. Okay, I get it. And he goes, So don't be afraid to go over budget and over time, Garrett. He goes, Just make sure you're good. And I right. was like, <laughs> I was like, All right, you got it. You know, and um, that's great. To me, that was one of the most important things I've learned as a filmmaker. The other thing was. The very first day of filming on Avatar 1, I was on it for about three months prepping. The very first day of filming, we had Jake getting grabbed by the Thanator with his backpack, and it was ripping him around in the air, and he falls out of the backpack and runs and jumps off into the waterfall, right? Yep. So he tells me, I want you to put a wire on this stunt guy straight up. We're going to pick him up in the air, and I want you to put two taglines on him so we can yank him side to side like he's being yanked by the Thanator. Right. And he goes, I'll come right back. We'll shoot this. And I go, okay, great. So I put my stunt guy on two wires to V-pick him. Mm-hmm. So when I lift him up, I have more control. So if you put him on one wire, he's just going to dangle like a pendulum. If you put on two, he'll be able to hold still in the middle. And I put the tag lines on him. I'm able to grab him a bit better. Yep. Right?
5: Yep. That, that makes so much yeah. So
4: I'm like, I'm, like, I'm going to do this even better than he wants. Watch this. And he comes out and he goes, what the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I got the wires on him like you wanted. He goes, that's not what I wanted. I told you to put one wire on him and two taglines. And what is this for? Well, I thought this would be better. He goes, all right, I'll tell you what. Come here. And we walked to the side, away from everyone. He goes, when you shoot your movie, I'll be your stunt coordinator and I will do exactly what you say. Until then, I go, oh, shit. And he goes, until then, if I tell you to put one wire on a guy and put two taglines on him, I damn well hope you put one wire and two taglines on him. Now, chances are, Garrett, you might be right. You might be better than me but I won't know that until I see my shit fail. So do me a favor, while you're my stunt coordinator and I'm your director, do what I ask you. And I went, Jim, I have no idea why I did that. The medication just kicked in and I feel so much better. I'm gonna go fix what I just fucking did. And I went back over there and I learned my lesson after that, that when he asked me, and no matter how much I think I know better, when he asked me to put one wire and two taglines on, I do. And I have my own thing sitting by ready to go when his might fail. But you never ever not do what the person just asked you to do. Yeah, and I learned that
5: lesson. Mm. I love I love that so much. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's so awesome. Much. <laughs> you got to see it, right? Like, yeah, like you said, like yeah. you might have a better solution, but let me fail so I can learn, and then yeah.
4: I had to do ten push-ups afterwards. <laughs> and from then on, for the past fifteen years that I've worked with him, if you fuck up. 10 push-ups.
5: 15 years is a long time.
4: Yep. Wow. Because I'm okay with whatever happens on a set. I've got thick yeah. skin. Yeah. yeah. Water off a duck. I'm cool with it. You can yell at me any way you like. I can spin it. You know, I can come in and it can be, like, oh Garrett, this is the absolute biggest piece of shit in the world. I can I can see that. I can see that now. I thought yeah. it was great. Right now, it looks like shit. Man, I was fucking wrong. Man, I must have wasted a whole shit ton of money. Would you stop, Garrett? Just go back and fix it. <laughs> So yeah. I have no problem in that sense. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, and yeah. he is possibly the greatest filmmaker I've ever seen work. I can't say that he's the greatest because Spielberg's great. So is um, Paul Thomas Anderson. So is James Mangold. All, all these guys I've worked with are genius,
5: you know? Yeah, but, yeah, I mean, you're talking box office, you know, Cameron Spielberg, right?
4: Yeah, but don't forget, too, I have to admit, like, Paul Thomas Anderson, Magnolia is genius. It's not oh, Avatar, sure. but dude, I love that movie.
5: Tarantino. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
4: I mean, come on. Logan, I, God bless him. Mangle did a great job. Thank you for making me, putting me on it. And thank you to Josh McLaughlin, the first AD that put me on there too. But that movie is genius. I didn't yeah. make it. They did. He yeah. came up with that idea. And that was an Avatar. You know? So you're right. Blockbuster, box office wise, Jim knows what to do. Right. But man, he's one of us. He'll get up in the morning at 5am with you and fight. That's awesome. three times a week. We would get up oh, every week. Oh, that's awesome. We go in the gym and we get into there and man, you don't want to be there, but it's like, all right, let's do it. 45 minutes. We'd start doing stick work or knife work or hand work, you know, right. and we were just, you know, rolling, we're punching each other and he's great. He's one of the guys.
5: Yeah, That's awesome. I mean, everyone you named is so talented, right? It's like essentially splitting hairs at that point. Cause it's, a lot of amazing, accomplished filmmakers out there. I've been lucky. I've been yeah. blessed,
4: you know. And it's because I've committed and I've put myself out there. And I have no problem laying it all in line.
1: This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. and Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value.
2: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect.
7: Yeah, fuck yeah yeah yeah
3: that's awesome dude um yeah when we were at dinner uh everyone you you introduced me as your family you know uh such great people dude um everyone spoke so highly about you at that table man stop stop and not dude you've inspired everyone around you. You, you 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 have not only the work to show for it but the way you show up every day in the world dude me since first meeting you you know and we had a couple of mutual friends that that said the same thing about you, man. And and once I finally got to meet you, everything I heard from Casey, from Reuter, from all these people, dude, it's you live it, eat it, breathe it, sleep it. You, it exists as Garrett, you know, and you show up in the world and it's inspiring to me, dude. I want to go, dude, you say, well, let's go shoot something right now. I'm down to go shoot. I, I just want to get after it, you know? And it's, that's what you want as a filmmaker, as a creator, as somebody like you want to surround yourself with people that had that same vision and had that same passion because it's like, that's this is why I got into it because I love it. He loves it too. Will loves
4: it. Let's go fucking do this, you know? So podcast world, when I was sitting here before we started, we all just said, let's shoot something. Yeah, I, and, yeah. and listen, I learned my, here's another thing Jim's Cameron taught me. Go out there and fall on your face. So when we first did the first one, he's like, go out there and um, fly the Banshee. Go show me how to fly a Banshee. And I went, okay. And I stopped and went, whoa. whoa how do you fly a Banshee, Jim? You know, how do you fly a Necron? He goes, I don't know. You figure it out. And I go, I'm probably not going to be able to figure it out. He goes, exactly. Show me what I don't want. Mm. And so at that one moment, it hit me. And I was like, ah, I get it. Ah, So what he likes is you go out there and you test stuff. You try it and you give him your best stuff. Some of it's going to suck balls. right? And when he sees that, he's going to know not to do that. But if you don't do that, he's always going to just be wondering in his mind. So for us, when we started this podcast, we're talking about, let's go out there and do something. Let's shoot some of this comic book stuff in a real way. And chances are we're going to fuck it up and it's going to be horrible. Mm -hmm. And that's good because then we're going to know what we don't want. But there's a 10% chance that what we shoot is going to be magic and beautiful and gorgeous. And what we're going to do is we're going to come away with the most inspirational, dope piece of stuff that we've ever created in our life. And that is the piece of gold that we're mining for. Mm. That is is amazing and that's what we're gonna do in a couple of weeks we're all gonna get together we're gonna get some dope wardrobe we're gonna shoot this stuff together and if we fuck it up and it comes back completely shit that's okay yep. we're good with that yeah but if it doesn't and it's that gold nugget we're gonna be great and when we come away with it being shit we'll learn not to do that and go down that
5: alley we'll see what we don't want youtube comment section will let us know <laughs> They'll let us know if it's good or bad. I'm horrible no, that I'm you kidding. know. I'm, but but I'm horrible that way. I don't actually
4: don't read comments, and I should. And I'm sorry, guys. And I really, I really love you all to death, and I, I do value everything you guys have to say. But I really do have to have a laser focus on what I do. Right. And it, it goes back to what you said. Yeah. I have to be the true self that I am. I have to try to create the action that I believe in wholeheartedly. And if it doesn't land, if it falls on deaf ears, then so be it but I can't change because of those comments. Yeah, for I sure. have to still be the person that I want to be. And I have to still keep on driving down that path. And if I listen to those comments, I will, I'll change.
5: Yeah. Yeah.
4: I won't be the right person that I need to be. I won't commit the way that I want to commit. Yeah. And trust me, what I do is different than anyone else. And if I listen to those comments, I'll be everyone else. Exactly. So I got to be very careful about that. And I try really hard to like value everyone that sends comments. And I really wish I could answer all of them. And I'm okay with you guys not liking some of the stuff that I did. I get people telling me what a piece of shit that was. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. But I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to do my piece of shit the way I do my stuff. And I'm going to still going to fall on my face or I'm going to still swim to the top like cream. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. But you're out there doing it. You know? Yeah. A lot of people that are sitting there commenting from time, from what I've seen are not usually the doers, right? They are the people that'll sit back and, you know, they'll criticize and they'll judge and they'll... That was me growing up, man. Everyone told me like you can't be an actor; it's impossible. You're never gonna be this. You're never gonna be that. And like I started when I was young, you believe that, you know, until you get to yeah, the point where, like, yeah.
4: People will do that to you. Yeah,
3: but then you get to the point where you're like, I, I don't care what anyone else says. I'm gonna go do it. Like I, and then you find out, and all of a sudden they're starting to ask you how you did it. You know, when you start things start happening, you start making one foot in front of the other. Your dream starts coming through, you know. And it's like I had the biggest people against me now say that they're friends with me or they knew me or even family, same thing, man. They're like,
4: yeah, you know, yeah, they, they don't turn from do the it.
3: biggest non-believers to yeah. believers in you. And now it's like, okay, now I have the biggest supporters in the world, but it's because I believed in me. I had to believe in me more than anyone else ever could. And then all of a sudden it started falling in line, you know?
4: That's something that Jim Cameron also says a lot. He loves to prove people wrong. That's what he lives for. He's like, Gary, I love to prove people wrong. Hell yeah. Everyone tells me my movie's going to fail. I can't wait to show them that this movie's going to make all the money. That's what he said. Yeah. Literally, all the money. Oh. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's my comment from him. All the money. I want that t-shirt. James Cameron. All the money. This movie's going to make all the money. So just remember, you guys out there, be a James Cameron. Dude, Make all the money. Prove him wrong.
5: so true. He did it. Learn what you don't want.
4: <laughs> yeah. and that's it. That's, uh, dude, I have no anxiety. I go out and I do stuff for him, and I come back, and he's like, That sucks. I'm like, I know. All right, I'll go figure <laughs> yeah. it out. You right. go, All right, when you figure it out, do me a favor. Instead of doing that, change this and do this. And I'm like, and Now he can tell me what to change because I just fucked it up.
5: Well, it's like the yeah. healthiest way to approach the creative process, I feel like, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. It's shed what you don't need without any emotion attached to it. While still creating multiple things and adapting, yeah. and yeah. right? Does that make but sense?
4: It does. But also, don't be delicate, guys. Let that person tell you that sucks. Don't ever fucking do that again go, all right, and be okay with that. Yeah. Like, like don't be this person that's going to go in there, and when this person says, you know, you are a fucking idiot, you take it personal. Yeah. When that person says, you are a fucking idiot, right, blow it off. Let it go. And then when that person finally gets around to what he wants done properly— Go, all right, I got it. And then afterwards, he'll come to you going, hey, you know, I'm sorry I actually said you're a fucking idiot because you're not a fucking idiot. You know, you go, I know. You're just just like emphatic at the time. And so that's why I get called a dick because sometimes I'm emphatic and I got to (laughs) stop being that way and I'm trying really hard and that's how I learned how to be a dick that's likable now when I'm emphatic and I go I hate that I smile a little bit now just do it a little bit better you you're so good you're gonna do better this time and I try to like make it a little bit nicer after I leave and that's
5: the conscious awareness of you know what you're doing in the moment yeah. That's a great thing.
4: Yeah. Or I'll say something, you know, that was the fucking worst thing you ever do. I go, hey, you know what? I probably would have done that too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Go back and do a better job now and love you. You know, <laughs> yeah. and then it's like that.
3: That's awesome. Is there anything, you know, you've obviously had such an incredible career. Uh, you've done some really badass, cool stuff. Is there anything that you haven't done yet that you want to do in this fil- in the film industry?
4: James Bond movie. Oh, Really? Throw it my way, guys. Give it to me. I'm not English. I know you can't give it to an American. But still, I want to do a James Bond movie. Mm. Um, I don't know. In this business, there isn't really... I've done everything, so I'm happy with it. Um, So now, for the audience members, I've moved on to directing and writing. I'm leaving my comfort zone. I'm no longer becoming a stunt guy anymore. I still do it, but you know that's only to pay the rent. Now I'm moving into the directing world. I've got great friends that have done it and become great, successful people. David Leach, uh, Chad Stahelski, J.J. Perry. Um, all those guys have done it and become incredibly successful. I'm a little bit behind the curve because I've been doing 15 years of Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> that is
5: amazing, though. have been so stuck. Cool.
4: Yeah, I've been stuck trying to break the box office. But... Um, now it's my turn. I've written a script. Um, you know, if you guys want to see what the process is like to try to get, you know, from the grassroots uh, level of who you are and leave your comfort level and get into the next side of life, that's what I'm actually doing. And I don't know. A part of me always thought that maybe I should do some kind of step by step or diary, server so and can see what I'm going through each day, how I go to meetings, and people tell me, "No, we don't want the script," or people say, "Oh, we like this, yeah. but we don't like." I'm going through all of that process right now. Yeah. And you know I haven't worked in about 10 months. And this is a guy that has always had two or three movies at the exact same time. And I've had maybe two weeks off a year for the past 25 years of my life. Now I've hit this point, And Jim Carrey is the person that taught me this. And I have to admit, Jim Carrey has some motivational things that are amazing. But he said that if you're not willing to downgrade your lifestyle take a step back in order to upgrade and get to the next level, then you obviously didn't want it bad enough. So I said to myself, all right, I'm going to downgrade my lifestyle. I'm going to stop going to nightclubs. I'm going to stop spending money on fancy things. I'm going to start shopping at Walmart. I'm going to start coupon clipping. I'm going to save my money. And I'm going to try and make that step into the other world. I'm going to start going to classes. I'm going to start writing. I'm going to start trying to be a director more. I'm going to start talking to producers more, studio heads, things like that. I'm going to start getting myself into that world. And that's what I've been doing. Mm. And for those of you out there that are comfortable in where you are, that's completely fine. I dig that. Good for you. Don't change that. I agree. Those of you that don't want to stay where you are, that want to get to the next level, then you have to do what Jim Carrey says. Listen to that quote that he said. Let it resonate and let it echo in your brain because that's what I do every day. I live by that motto. Downgrade your lifestyle to get to the next level. Mm. And if you do that, hopefully it'll come true because I'm hoping it's going to come true for me. Yeah, it will. Oh no, I I don't think it won't. Don't get me wrong. You know
3: how to use an ax. Just cut the door down, bro. I'm
4: trying my hardest. I'm trying to kick it in, you know,
3: that's awesome, man. That's, uh, we really appreciate you sharing all that, man. And, uh, Let's go make something, dude. I just want to like get up and go shoot something. You got to be so fired hey, up yeah. when you mentioned podcast, the comic
5: book.
4: In about two weeks, we're going to shoot something of this uh, comic book that these guys have. Okay, yeah. We're going to bring it together. Yep. We're going to bring it together. We're going to actually make something practical out of it. If it's good, you'll see it. If it's not, we'll go back to the drawing board and we'll make it better.
5: You heard it here. Uh, dude, <laughs> that's the greatest news that we've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> Straight <laughs> yeah. up.
3: I no, appreciate
4: you Ben no right. my, I, listen, I appreciate you guys and I appreciate you guys bringing me here and um, you know I, I, look, I don't stay in my comfort zone. I try to get out of it that's why I actually flew this boy in over here. you guys can't see him, but you know uh, darren, uh, I think your instagram is what d guy d t u n g u y all right he's got a podcast, but I saw him shoot something in New York the other day. It was this chess match fight. And I was like, ah, some of this was no good. But then all of a sudden he had these dope-ass images in it, these dope-ass angles that were like an anime come to life that were really spectacular. And oh, I was like, wow. dude, I need this a part of my life. I need to see if this is something that I can bring into what I do. So I called him up. You know, I reached out to him on, on Instagram and said, hey, what are you doing? You want to come and do this? He's like, heck yeah. If you don't ask, it won't happen. Mm. Yeah. And if you ask and they say no, at least you asked. Right. So I called him up and said, hey, do it. Flew him out here from New York. He's staying in my guest room right now. We're going to go ahead and play around with some camera angles this weekend. We're going to see if this thing floats, right? If it swims, you guys are going to see some dope stuff. If it doesn't, we'll go back to the drawing board. But that's what you guys need to do out there too. If you guys are in this podcast trying to tell the audience how to get to the next level, it's reach out it's ask the questions and see if you can get the people to make the connections and reach out to the D ton guys and say, Hey, come over here and show me what you can do and see if we can make this together. And this guy said, yeah. And he's had no ego. He's like, let's do this.
5: Yeah. I I literally essentially taught myself how to write in the last couple of years. I'd love to talk to you about yeah. writing because we all have our own creative journey and like writing specifically, but we should we should definitely talk about it. I'd, I'd love to...
4: I love this idea. I'll tell you what. I think this should be something that you guys do, and I'll help be a part of it. Because, look, screenwriters are already established out there, and they do great stuff on Twitter. They really do help their fans. There's a lot of people, like Taylor Sheridan, my hat's off to you. I'm a huge fan.
5: Shout out. Yes. Sir.
4: Call us and let us come work with you or work with us on something. we we'll have a couple great ideas. Anytime. Because I think you're amazing, and... Everything you do, and trust me, you've got my girl Zoe on there, my sister Zoe on there, and Linus is genius, and I love the show, and it's so good. Um, I see writers like that. He couldn't get hired the way he wanted to in Hollywood, so he went back and went to the ranch and started doing cowboy stuff, and then he was true to himself and wrote stuff that was true to him. Yep. And so it gave me the inspiration to go ahead and say, screw it, I'm going to write my own way as well. I did the same thing as you as I tried to learn how to do it. Yeah. There's a couple of people. There's a guy named Craig Gore who's a great writer. He was in prison and learned how to write. And when he came out, he became this successful writer and has these oh, wow. TV series that he's done that are super successful. I reached out to him. He's helped me. Uh, Jim Cameron, he helped me with my script. He's given me notes as well. So I reach out and I ask people to help me all the time. And so to hear you say these things, I'm there too. The screenwriters that are on Twitter, they're already established. They try to help people, but they're already established. Yeah. They're there. If you guys want to be a part of the journey... I think that we should try to like show the world what it's like to be on this journey and see what it's like to all of a sudden get into... Are you in the WGA yet?
5: No, pre, pre-WGA. Dude,
4: I want to be in the WGA so bad. I really do. Mm-hmm. I want to be on strike with them. But um, I'm not there yet. And hopefully... And I sold one idea a while ago to Paramount with Zoe attached to it. And it hasn't, didn't get made, so I didn't get in there yet. But I'm on the precipice of getting there. And if you guys in the audience are like, oh, I wish I was a writer, trust me, you can do it. Don't give up. You're going to run into some walls and maybe what these guys should do is do some kind of a thing for writers and show them the journey of beginning writers.
5: I wrote 30 drafts of the first comic issue before I even like enjoyed what I was writing. Not the process. I enjoyed the process, but in terms of like semi usable material, right? Like you said, write it, throw it out. Write it, throw it out, build on it, throw it out. Yeah. It's for sure.
4: Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I am going to, we'll talk about the writing. I'm dying to pick your brain. And you can pick my brain and find out what I go through and where I get my ideas from and all that kind of stuff. For me, I learned through the Jim Cameron school of writing that subtext is everything, you know, the little things and, you know, just finding that there is more to um, what people are saying. Right. And that one sentence of dialogue has to, You know, move the scene. It can't be a paragraph. You know, that one sentence of dialogue has to be so well constructed that the subtext below it moves the audience to understand and know and relate to the characters. I'll be back. All of those things, you know what I mean? And trust me, the fact that he can take um, a villain, bring him to the next movie and make him a hero Mm. and make you fall in love with him because he's tragic. Dude, because he's nonetheless just an android that was reprogrammed to help this boy now. And when the boy tells him, don't kill humans, and he shoots him in the legs, and he's like, I didn't kill him. Yep. You know, and Dude. the whole world's like, oh my gosh, that's the greatest thing ever in the world. <laughs> that's Jim Cameron knowing how to make that subtext work. Yep. And it's amazing. Yep. It's a and, great
5: example.
4: And that's what I've learned in the writing that I'm doing. I've written this script that right now is at the studio level. I have a great producer, shout out to Sean Reddick, who's taking it. it, is the champion of it, is pushing it forward. I have an agent, so I guess I'm not the same as you guys out there that are working at UPS and trying to be um, writers. But don't forget, there was a girl who was a, a stripper, an adult dancer, who wrote Juno. Oh, wow. You know that? And had no training whatsoever. That script became like, almost like Academy nominated. Maybe it was, oh, yeah, or it wasn't. But, yeah. I mean, she crushed it. So there's no reason why you can't do it. You just have to keep trying and put it out there. And I know I'm sounding like a flipping Hallmark card. I hate that <laughs> too, guys. So don't get me wrong. I get that. But it just boils down to this. Search for the little things. When you write, search for the little things. Those are the little things, like like, like when you write something, you put it out there and your friend says, dude, I dig that. And then that friend says, I want to read more. And you do, you write it, and that person, search for that. If you find that person liking your stuff, then you should know that there's a glimmer at the end of the tunnel. You can make it. Because if one person likes it, and it's not just your friend, it's someone that's being honest to you, you can make it. That's how I keep going. And I'm not published yet, and I'm not bought yet. I'm still pushing it through. But right now, studios say they like what's going on. It, Jim liked the first half of my script. He hated the second half. He's like, yeah. oh, just turn it just turned into an action extravaganza. I don't like that. And I'm like, that's fine. I'm OK with that. And I'm going to go back. He to the didn't drums. like that.
5: Well, yeah, he didn't like <laughs> no, the second I'm half. And I'm, but I'm OK action with Action extravaganza. Yeah. I, he, it he's, a joke. He's, I'm he, just making a joke. No, but That's nobody, so cool he, you're working with him on it.
4: Yeah, I'm, well, he's helping me, right. you know? God bless him. for. That's how cool he is. And yeah. trust me, all you guys out there, those people will help you. Reach out to them. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Our first podcast we ever did with uh, Brian Zurf he said, you know, he's done Ray Donovan, he does the match, and does a bunch of really, really cool stuff uh, shows. And he said, you just have to reach out. You know, he's like, yeah. we have more access to people than we've ever had before with social media, you know, with whatever different way you get in contact with people, Twitter, everything. He's like, he'll answer in his DMs. You yeah. You know, and just shoot him a message. You know, shoot any of these producers a message. I did the same thing with uh, one of the shows I worked on. And um, I reached out to the to you know, one of these execs and he got back to me. And next thing you know, we're having a conversation and, and it turned into to work, you know. And it's just it's one of those things where you have to put yourself out there. You, you have to reach out and you have to be willing to not be afraid to get rejected on top That's of that. It. Too,
4: That's it. That's it. What you just said, and listen, yeah. don't be afraid to call me, reach out to me, whatever it is, and you go, no. Don't be afraid to have a door slammed in your face. Be okay with it, guys, because you're all going to be delicate out there and you're like, I can't do this. No, you can do it. It's just maybe I had a bad day. Maybe um, you just didn't have what I wanted. Maybe someone else will want, you know. Maybe, you know, there's a producer over in England that will take what you want. It's like, trust me, there's so many different opinions out there. Don't take my opinion for it, you know that door closes, understand that there's a thousand doors you still have to knock on. Yep. And let them all say no and let that one say yes.
5: 100%. If you're passionate about something, you believe in it, keep, keep going. There you go.
3: That's it, man. Cool. Man, right
5: I, I, I still can't believe some of the stories. You live <laughs> such an incredible life. I'm, like, it's so interesting. I really appreciate you sharing everything.
4: It's my pleasure. You know, I told him, uh, you know, that I'd be more than happy to come back once a month, once a week, whatever it is, and do something for you guys, even if it's like 10 minutes or whatever. And we could do like a movie talk and say, what movie did you see this week, Garrett? You know, yeah. um, I can tell him what I liked about stuff or not. But I also said that, you know, I still think that what you're talking about on the birthing process of writers, and there's a lot of people that are writers out there that want to be writers and they just don't go for it. They should. And if you... Take them through that process because I would love that if I was a writer, I, I would watch it religiously. And if there's people in the the comments that I can reach out to that are good writers, or yeah. you know, next thing you know, you've got the Craig Gores answering, or the maybe we get Taylor Sheridan to answer us, mm-hmm. Taylor Sheridan answer us, please. We want to work with you, <laughs> yes, sir, Taylor Sheridan. Hello, whatever it takes, man. We're you know, there. whatever it takes, we would love to actually be a part of your process in your world because we love what you do. So this is us reaching out. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. All right, uh, and, and listen, I'm I'm there for you guys, and I'd be more than happy to help in any way I can.
3: Likewise, man. If you ever need anything,
4: yeah, oh, we're, we're gonna I can you, help. Yeah, this well, weekend well, we're gonna be working together. This yeah. weekend yeah. I'm taking him shooting. We're gonna go ahead and shoot some stuff this weekend. We're gonna do gun battle stuff with that man over there. We're gonna shoot some anime stuff yeah, with him, man. doing some dope ass gun battles. That's gonna
3: be awesome. I can't wait. Yeah, I, I, so I I'm gonna do that uh, uh, treatment and then see what you think about it. Yeah. Good. Let's get after it, man.
5: All right. Hell yeah, dude. Thanks,
4: man. Appreciate dude. it, brother. You're a legend, man. Thank Nah, you're bro. a legend. You guys are a legend. Thank That's you for right. all of this.
5: Thanks for tuning in to Studio 22.
6: Right Rug Flooring.